another day, another destiny. This never-ending road to Calvary. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time one day I more. I did not live until today. Well, thanks for interrupting. How can I leave when we are parted? Tomorrow you'll be worlds away. And yet, with you, my work has started. One more day out on my own. Hello, and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and some other stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, my, it's my favorite classification under uh, under iTunes for our for our podcast. Stuff. <laughs> As I'm sure our regular listeners are aware, one of the ways you can support the show is by going to patreoncom debatethiscast where you can unlock extra content, join our Discord for a good cursed time, or for a one-time donation, commission a special flavor text episode where we will do a deep dive into the topic of your choosing, from 80s goth comics to eccentric Food Network personalities. (laughs) And everything in between. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Today we add another branch to our ever-expanding rosters of flavors we will text, courtesy of friend of the show Tom Zalatni, 19th century historical novels and all the adaptations thereof. (laughs) Today we'll be leading you through a deep dive of Les Miserables. (laughs) kind of a pretty like narrow you know like a, a narrow branch tom tom sent us down yes yeah. that's fair but a new branch nonetheless can i ask the stupidest question just to get out of the way right now please i guess is that is that how you pronounce those set of those sets of words Le, together Le miserable yes so when all the people who certainly aren't me have said things like lay miserable like That's, they're they're just uncultured swine. Yes. Yeah. One hundred. Yeah. It's French, and you only pronounce about half the. You only <laughs> pronounce about a third of the vowel, the consonants in it's, French. It's literally no different than calling it less miserables. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. the 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 miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I mean, I've gotten away from it by just saying les mis for yeah. my entire life. Yeah. But I'll just yeah. I'll tell you right now, I did not know how you say it, and now I do. Thanks, Tom. And Kyle, I guess. <laughs> I need to point out something very important. Um, I was curious if this fit into because like, OK, so let's take a step back and say that if you wanted to tell me that the novel Les Mis was kind of a comic book, I'd probably believe you. But I wanted to see if this fit into any other parts of our category. And turns out there are two count them two Les Mis video games. Um, there is what? one on Fantastic. Steam, which is just like an adaptation of the novel. Um, but is the other one by Telltale Games? More importantly, I want it to be by Telltale no. Games. Oh, no, no, no. It is a game from 1998 or uh, <laughs> the prime year of games. Yeah, I think. Hold on. Make sure. Let me make sure that this was actually 1998. I think that was what I read. That is a 2D fighting game. Wow. Based on <laughs> Les Mis. I wonder if that's based on the movie. That also hmm. came out in 1998, or if they came out independent of each other. Yeah, um, I don't know, but it's called Arm Joe. 
Arm Joe, uh, and you can download it right now and play it on your own very human computer. Jokes on Tom. They thought they were going to get a fully fleshed out <laughs> flavor text over yeah. the source material. Oh no! In fact, they're it getting is the they're getting this games. video game. Holy shit! Holy shit! This is real. Yeah, Arm Joe is very real, and it's called Arm using Joe. the formula Street Fighter Two. There's a there's a whole Kotaku Ooh. article about this. I think I hear Andrew buying it right now. <laughs> it's called Arm Joe. That's why I got really quiet. Because in Japan, Les Miserables is known as Amajo. I, I oh. can't. I'm, I'm sure, sure that that's, that's just the Japanese it, translation. Uh, yeah. Apparently, it's the translation to Ah Cruelty, which is, you know, the miserable. It's close enough. But yeah, Arm Joe, a PC game from either 1998 or 2006, depending on which of these websites <laughs> that I'm looking at is correct. Well, all right. It has four and a half out of five stars on myabandonware.com. Okay, I actually know about that website, so that's that's real. Yeah, um, Funhouse, which is like one of the biggest things that I follow, I think. They've been digging up old abandonware and making people play it, and it's all broken, and there's a reason why it's abandoned. Wait, I, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I, of course I'm watching a YouTube video, and it's like, it's rolling through the normal characters like Kazette, Tenardier, and then there's just a giant picture of a man that looks like someone from Street Fighter that says judgment. And then <laughs> my favorite, my favorite, there's Jean Valjean and also Robo Jean. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Who I imagine is both the end boss and the, the unlockable character. Oh, so, wow. Man. That rips. I am definitely downloading it now. <laughs> like like ham fisting the concept of judgment in as an enemy and, <laughs> right? and then Robo Jean Valjean yeah. is outstanding. Yeah. The, the idea the idea of doing bad things for good reason is the end boss, and then Robo Jean <laughs> is the secret boss. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good. All right. So I I can't do this deep dive alone though, <laughs> dear listeners. Uh, that is why today I am joined by Todd Marius Pontmercy Thomas, Matt Gavrash Cole, and Andrew Monsieur Thenardier Henderson to help me through this tale of oppression, justice, law, and love, all set against the backdrop of Paris in revolt. I just found <laughs> Robo Jean. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, I bought a Gavroche at IKEA this week. <laughs> End of joke. Thank you. This is uh, sorry. I know you gave us names and they have meeting, but <laughs> my life solely exists between Judgment and Robo Jean. Do, yeah, do we need to park point? the van at Robo Jean for just like another yeah, minute? Um, okay, yeah, I think we're, we do. You're you're gonna ask um what we know, and I know nothing because I'm an illiterate, uncultured toddler. Um, what, what is my name? Uh, Todd Marius is the, he's the main revolutionary we kind of root for. He's perfect. Like third lead in this mm -hmm. show. So <laughs> where does that place Robo Jean? Is he like, <laughs> is he like fourth? Is he a second act edition? Robo Jean only appears in the, in the encore after the sh the play has ended, yeah. <laughs> the director's cut. They had to <laughs> cut Robo Jean for time. Yeah, he's in the Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio version from the nineties. Oh man, that's so funny. It's stupid that that's real. Uh, are we are we good? Have we finished with Robo Jean? <laughs> I got it out of my system. 
All right. So, um, as you might have picked up, Les Miserables, the musical, is based on a 1862 novel by Victor Hugo, the novel having the same name, Les Miserables. Um, and it follows the struggles of a number of characters in Paris from the years 1815 to 1832 as the city and its inhabitants live through the lead-up to and start of the French Revolution. Uh, the main story follows ex-con Jean Valjean as he tries to rebuild his life after his release from prison. But in a very George R.R. R. Martinian fashion, every character we meet has a rich, well-crafted backstory with dilemmas and struggles of their own. That's a really good way to sum up Les Mis is like, okay, so here's your main guy. Everybody you meet in the next two hours is also going to have a lot of things. Yeah. Try and keep up. But it's all about this main guy. It's all yeah. in service of Jean Valjean's story. So hoping to expose the nature of injustice and uh, the, the nature of injustice and exploitation. Les Mis is Hugo's longest novel at over 650,000 words in the original French. <laughs> Woof, dude. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, he got the idea for the main story of Jean Valjean from an instance where he witnessed a man uh, being taken to jail by the police for stealing a loaf of bread while the man's wife and child looked like watched this happen. See, even, even 250 years ago, or 200-ish years ago, cops were still bastards. Well, <laughs> a theme of the book of the book and yeah, the yeah. musical like undeniably a theme in this work victor hugo antifa confirmed <laughs> <laughs> hugo imagined the already suffering family suffering further in the name of this concept of justice he sums up the point he's driving tries to drive home in the in the preface of the novel uh which i will quote victor hugo here so long as there shall exist, by reason of law and custom, a social condemnation which, in the face of civilization, artificially creates hells on earth and complicates a destiny that is divine with human fatality, so long as, as the three problems of the age, the degradation of man by poverty, the ruin of women by starvation, and the dwarfing of childhood by physical and spiritual night are not solved, so long as, in certain regions, social social asphyxia shall be possible in other words and from a yet more extended point of view so long as in ignorance and misery remain on earth books like this cannot be useless basically saying as long as these injustices prevail this work will always be meaningful and um the fact that it's so meaningful today 200 300 years later should tell us something 150 150 however long still it doesn't matter it's those injustice i mean it, it's it's time it feels timeless i mean those are injustices that feels like mm -hmm. we will probably have for a lot a lot longer it's very timeless which when we get into the plot i've kind of modernized some of the language a little bit to um try and help drive that home because mm -hmm. wow is this musical and book still very revel relevant here um on the back end of 2020 yeah, yeah, I've seen Les Mis, the musical, now three times, three or four times. And the last time I saw it, I think, was like 2013 or 14. Uh, mm -hmm. And even then, I remember thinking like, wow, this is so incredibly relevant 
to what's happening today for a musical that came out in 1980 about a book that was written in 1862 about events that happened in 1815. I don't know that there are many other things that check even one of those three boxes and are still as relevant as they are today. Everything is the same forever. Um, (laughs) Nothing ever changes. (laughs) To quote prolific American rock band Bowling for Soup, the story never changes, just the names and faces. Sure. Okay, Bowling for Soup. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was deep. You didn't know that was in Punk Rock 101, did you? No, I I will admit to you, I do not sit around quoting Bowling for Soup often. (laughs) Well, maybe you should consider changing your lifestyle. We're we're different, you and I. (laughs) <laughs> I already admitted that I am an uncultured toddler. You don't need to rub it in more, Matt. <laughs> um, before we get into the plot and the musical, I do want to say part of the reason this, the novel ended up being so long is that Victor Hugo takes these very long diver- diversions uh, that aren't even like part of the novel. They're just him like going off philosophically on things like justice or writing essays about the time he visited the bat- the site of the Battle of Waterloo, just because they kind of tie into the themes in the same way that all the, the like side characters' deep backstories tie into the main plot as well. These digressions take up over a quarter of the book, with one starting after the first chapter and taking and lasting through until chapter 14 before he picks back up with the main plot. No, that's unforgivable. Absolutely not. (laughs) That's wild. He like, he, he sets everything up and gets about to, um, Jean Valjean meeting with the Bishop and then goes off on a tangent for 13 chapters and then picks back up from Jean Valjean meeting with the Bishop. And it's wild. (laughs) I, I want to make a connection to like something else that I have been rewatching through. That is like if we got the first Iron Man movie and then we got 14 movies about the wrongs of war and the industrial uh, <laughs> weapons complex in the world. And then Civil War was the next plot movie we got in the MCU. I don't hate that. No, I'd even go a step further and say. We got everything up until Tony Stark gets blown up. Then we diverge for f- for fourteen movies and come back and finish Iron Man one. Like I think Ooh, that's that's terrible. Yeah, that's, that's how that's, that's how quick accurate. this this divergence goes. Well, we have we've already talked about this on podcast before. We've got Disney Plus. We're basically we already know we're going to Battle Planet. So yep, <laughs> Battle World, know, but yeah. Battle World, <laughs> whatever, same thing. That that type of storytelling is definitely not off the table. Super not. <laughs> well, I mean, they're now knowing. Sorry, this isn't a Disney Plus flavor text, but now knowing that Disney is going to start just ram jamming fistfuls of cash into D Plus, um, then yeah, I mean, not not that not actually yeah, like they're not actually going to do the thing that you described, but they're going to like certainly no run we're wild. Gonna, we're going to diverge not for movies at a time but for 10 episode miniseries at a time until we get to battle world it makes me think we might actually get the uh the david harbour led like adventures of the 90s with him and his russian avengers team yes i think we will kyle when are you gonna let us geek out about musicals we're getting we're we're there (laughs) now andrew 
as soon as Todd shuts up about Disney Plus. Cool. Yeah. Um, excuse me. As soon as Todd shuts up, shuts up about David Harbor, <laughs> which is never. Hey, do we need to give a spoiler warning for a forty-year-old musical? <laughs> is that a thing we need to do? I think you just did. Okay. Uh, cool. Spoilers. Spoilers for a hundred and fifty-year-old novel as well. Yeah. Yeah. As Andrew is is getting at, we're all much more familiar with the musical by the same name, Les Miserables, than we are with the French. 19th century novel. Um, so that's what we'll, we will be talking about today, is the musical. Les Miserables was written, written by Claude Michel Schoenberg and Alan Boublil um, and premiered in Paris in, in the original French in 1980. It was then translated and opened on London's West End in 1985, where it has been running since, making it the longest running musical on, in the West End and the second longest running musical in the world. Um, and I did look it up because I was wondering. It is considered still running, even though um, the production is currently on hiatus until July 4th, 2021, due to COVID. So, mm. What's the mm. first longest running then? Yeah, that's going to be the next question. <laughs> the first longest running musical was the original off-Broadway run of The Fantastics in 1961. And I don't know Ooh, how long that would have not, I don't know how long that ran, but it is ended. So, yeah, Les Mis is poised to take that spot. And, um, Very cool. As long as it doesn't get canceled. Hmm. Are you ready? Let's do it. Yeah. Plot time. I'm, I'm excited. Let's talk about Les Mis. All right. Yeah. The plot of the musical and the book are not the same. Uh, the musical does accurately capture the themes of the book, uh, weaves in ideas of law and order versus justice, exploitation of the vulnerable by higher classes, and actions of oppressed peoples as they are faced with worsening conditions and prospects. Not much else to say about that. Um, <laughs> it the the musical cuts out, you know, a lot of the the fluff and rants and diatribes that Victor Hugo goes on <laughs> to make it a nice tidy hour and a half long or f- two and a half imagine? hour long muting. Can you imagine <laughs> like 10 more scenes talking about like the, the minutia of yes. the political climate in 1815? <laughs> oh. Yeah. And like Les Mis is already one of the longer shows. It's it's real long. Um, I guess it wouldn't be much unlike Lin Manuel Miranda going through the Federalist Papers in Hamilton. So, well, you know, they, they created that, that into a nice. They created that into like a nice like nine like minute rap. song though. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. thing. If you get like Buster Rhymes to fast rap about the minutia of the political <laughs> spectrum in 1815, sure, maybe. Yeah, I'm in. So, the musical opens. In 1815, in a French labor prison, where we are introduced to our protagonist, Jean Valjean, who is being released on parole after serving a 19-year sentence for stealing a loaf of bread for his starving sister and niece. Is this the best intro song in a musical? I think I it's think the best it intro is. song. Um, this is it's all in there. work, prologue work song. Um, I'll, I'll be throwing out some song titles as we go along, too. This, uh, yeah, this opening scene rips it's so good yeah i i we make the joke so often that i just like heard matt saying it in my mind of like a record scratch and then like <laughs> you're probably wondering how i got here like oh, that's and i really realized good. and i realized this is like not the context to do that with but i was just in my head i'm like this is the setup where matt does this but but we're not going to do that because we're better than that but i at least wanted to leave it out there for everyone yes 
Um, so we during the song we also meet our antagonist, the prison the prison guard, um, Javert. He doesn't have any other name besides Javert. He explains the condition of Jean Valjean's parole, which includes displaying his parole ticket, like it has to be pinned to his chest whenever he goes out in public, so everyone knows that he's a dangerous criminal. This obviously makes it very difficult for Jean Valjean to find a place to live and work, because no one wants to hire or rent a place to a criminal. He squalors around until he is eventually taken in by a bishop, um, who gives him a place to stay and, and, you know, shows him some mercy. The bitter and desperate Valjean steals all the church's silver and takes off in the middle of the night when he is and is immediately caught again by the police who bring him back to the bishop to be questioned uh the bishop showing even more mercy tells the police that he is he gave uh valjean all the silver as a gift and even like drives the point home by giving him more silvers like hey you forgot these silver candlesticks too and um, a bro super super bro move um, and he gets the police out of there, and then he tells Valjean um, that he, quote, bought his soul for God and not to waste this, like, second opportunity on life he has been given. Um, and Jean Valjean swears to do so. He sings, Who Am I? And then we jump ahead eight years to 1823. Can we, I want to I dive in on a couple concepts, but first, I, I want to I talk about Javert a little bit. Yes. Um, so okay, so as the super cop Javert, super cop Javert, so <laughs> almost n- almost RoboCop Javert. So to no one's surprise, who listens to the show, Javert is my favorite character. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yep, that tracks. Big, <laughs> right. big Russell Crowe fan, are you? <laughs> well, we, we'll talk about Russell Crowe. Uh, no, the answer to that is no. Um, okay, so my my history with Les Mis is specifically um, through high school. Um, of the of the three of the four of us who are big theater geeks, my theater geekdom was was definitely peaked in in high school. Um, and so my senior year, we were told that we were going to do Lamez, and everyone lost their fucking mind. And again, this oh, was yeah. like you know Rightly just to set so. the scene. This was two thousand five. Uh, Wicked was super popular. Rent was all over the place. Rent had just come out on DVD. Like musicals were were just were in man. And oh, yeah. I had never, I had never seen Les Mis before. So like everyone, all the like kids that knew what they were talking about, because I was still kind of like on the like, eh, I don't know. But I just like I went, I went whole ham, and I watched the Liam Neeson version. I got the, I got the <laughs> the original cast recording, and just like played it on loop day after day after day. Like and you what do when was, you're like, in a high school theater program, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. yep. and that, it was just like I ate, slept, ate, slept, and breathed Les Mis day after day. And, and basically, I won't bore you with the details, but we had all like all the kids that knew they were going to be in the musical. We had basically gone and cast the entire musical ourselves. Right. Like so. And so like the, the guy that always got the lead was going to be Jean Valjean. And we were all OK with that. And and then we all kind of went down the line and, and it was decided between all the kids that I would be Javert. And that's the part I wanted. And and I because I loved being the villain in musicals. Mm-hmm. I still I still think like being the villain in the musical is the most fun. Yeah. part of it um anyway so you know that was like we all picked our character and then auditioned of course for with that with that song so i i auditioned with stars which is javert's big solo and uh and uh, it actually turned out we didn't end up doing Les Mis because right right at the end like they right the day before they were going to post the casting they told us we don't have enough boys in the musical to do this show 
That um, sucks. And that tracks, yeah. That and, super yeah. sucks. And, and we were just, like, devastated. And then I remember, like, we would, a bunch of us were just, like, walking down the halls, like, just pulling people from classrooms, like, you have to audition, <laughs> you have to audition. And it just wasn't enough. So we ended up not doing it, and we, we did a heel turn and did Jekyll and Hyde, which is a oh, much nice. different musical, which yeah. is a much less lesser musical than Lame. It's not a bad musical, it's just not as good as Lame is, obviously. Yeah. We did Jekyll and Hyde at the dinner theater right before COVID closed, and it's very... Got it similar in that they came out like mm-hmm. in london within a year yeah. of each other i think but yeah. like that's where the similarities end. it is a it is a poor man's lame if you will and it's <laughs> got the same vibe is. and everything yeah. but yeah it's just like mm-hmm. it's like the transmorphers <laughs> it's got big it's got big straight to dvd energy who anyway who were so you in uh, that, andrew uh i was the villain uh the i forget his name the the like the leader of the council like basically like yes. he was like basically mm-hmm. gaston yep you know yeah i know who you're talking about yeah but um it was a much lesser part than javert so so yeah Les Mis <laughs> and javert, javert was the role that i that i never had that i i fell in love with the one um, that got away the one that got got away baby God, i am um, i my only thing to add is i was looking through the list of actors who have played javert um john malkovich in the yeah. 2000s uh miniseries which oh, is funny yeah. because like in my adult life i am not used to john malkovich playing any serious role i just feel like he doesn't really do that now yeah and so <laughs> i can't think of like a serious john malkovich but it is funny to think about it oh yeah him that's, fighting that's him fighting hugh jackman <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah and we don't get need to get in too much i know we're going to talk about the movie later i i i am in the camp of of a con of a uh, anti Russell Crowe as Javert. Yeah, yeah. Mm, man, I'm pro Russell Crowe as Javert. I like yeah, Russell well, Crowe we'll, Javert. We'll fight really about good. it later. We'll get into that later. Yeah. All right. So we jump ahead eight years to 1823, and we find Jean Valjean um, having assumed a new I, new identity, um, using the silver he got from the bishop to buy a textile factory and secure himself as a position as mayor of a small French town. Um, and it kind of sh- sets up that he's been using his position as best he can to offer a f- like fair, safe place to work. And then it, he's kind of been acting as mayor to influence the practices of the town to be more just and fair as well. Jean Valjean is consistently a bro through this whole movie. We are introduced to Fantine, a single mother working in Valjean's factory. Um, and we kind of go off onto her little story for a little bit. Uh, the factory foreman makes advances on Fantine, which she rejects. Um, and the foreman kind of takes it out on the other women on the factory floor, uh, turning all of Fantine's coworkers kind of against her. Uh, this this resentment finally reaches a boi- boiling point when her single motherhood is exposed, and this being 19th century France, Fantine is shamed by all the other women on the floor, starting a fight which the foreman uses as an excuse to get Fantine fired. Fantine sings I Dreamed a Dream and kind of falls down the slippery slope into prostitution. She fights back against a violent customer one night, who reports her to the police, uh, who ends up being the now inspector, Javert, um, who goes to arrest her when she's recognized by a passing Valjean, who recognizes her as a former employee of his, and um, kind of 
keeps her from being arrested and takes her and blames himself for her, her current situation um, and takes her to the hospital. So real quick, when yeah. I watch, so I've not read, I didn't see the play. We didn't do the play in my high school. We were too busy doing stupid things and um, <laughs> we weren't brave enough to do this. And uh, <laughs> at this point, watching the movie, I was like, I love Anne Hathaway. I can't wait to see Anne Hathaway throughout this movie playing oh, this yeah. very important role. Oh, like, I love Anne Hathaway. You sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, which, I mean, you're going to keep going. But like, yeah. I just wanted you all to live in this moment with me that I was like, Anne Hathaway's in this rich, fully exposed role. Like, she's going to just sell this whole thing. I am pumped. <laughs> I'll continue. <laughs> Um, so we, we kind of go to like the next day, a little bit later, you know, an undisclosed amount of musical time. Valjean, a, a, a cart breaks and runs over a man and Valjean, uh, Classic. being this, this beast of a man lifts the cart <laughs> off the, the man in the street and is recognized by Javert for doing so. Having recognized the same strength only one other time from this this ex-con he met in prison. Yeah, Javert was walking down the street and he was like, holy shit, Wolverine just pulled the card off that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it totally tracks in the movie, but that is like a weird character thing. Like they just are like, oh yeah, Valjean is like really strong, like superhuman strong or whatever. I'm, I wonder if it's a thing that comes up a lot more in the books, but it only comes up like a handful of times in the musical because like there aren't a lot yeah. of opportunities for for a city dwelling person to like exhibit their inhuman strength, but (laughs) whatever. Am I remembering correctly that there is a moment in the prison camp in the opening where Jean Valjean like single-handedly lifts a a big ass heavy log or something like that? Yeah. Same. That was, I, I tried to say that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Javert recognized, you know, that Valjean did something similar while he was in prison. And that's how he connects these dots. I like to think that he just recognizes the muscle definition. He's like, I've seen <laughs> yeah. those triceps before. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because not again, like we're going to keep coming back to the movie because that's the everyone's kind of full. Pro- that's uh, our, our cultural touch point. Yeah. Yeah. But like until that point, I mean, the 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 people that played Valjean were never like super buff dudes. No. But, like, but you have to imagine like this is somebody who who spent years in a in a labor camp in a prison labor Tw- camp 20 years yeah 20 years so like, breaking rocks basically yeah. like dude is jacked so like imagine this like mm-hmm. this foreman who's walking down in like his shoulders you know just like a like a he's a brick shit house <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he comes yeah. Down, he's got his little tight vest and he's like what up you know like that's this is what we're talking about he's the john fetterman of 19th century <laughs> france if you will <laughs> basically yeah um so so Javert recognizes Valjean, but like almost immediately, some other guy is arrested as Jean Valjean. Like there's a case of mistaken identity somehow, and this other guy gets arrested as Jean Valjean. The real Valjean kind of realizes this could free him once and for all. Like this guy goes to jail, they won't be looking for him anymore. He can stay living here and, and helping these people. Um, but it would be at the cost of this innocent man serving a life sentence for him. So he sings, who am I? And reveals him and like barges into the court and reveals himself like, don't arrest this man. I'm Jean Valjean and then runs away. He visits Fontaine one more time in the hospital, 
promises to take care of Cosette, um, and then Fontaine dies. This is where my movie was ruined. This is where Todd's <laughs> heart was broken because he got no more Anne Hathaway for the next uh, two hours. And it's not a good trade. Her for, what's her name, Amanda Seyfried? Or Seyfried, Seyfried. Yeah. Yeah. Seyfried, not a good trade, but that's not what this episode's it's a, about. It's a downgrade for Todd. <laughs> so Javert shows up to the hospital to arrest Valjean. Um, Valjean pleads for... Just, like just he doesn't say like let me go he doesn't want to like commute his sentence or whatever he's just like hey let me go get this woman's daughter make sure she's set up in a safe place and then i will turn myself in javert says no valjean and javert sing the confrontation which is badass and javert and like javert kind of lays out his worldview insisting that criminals like Valjean are incapable of change uh, before Valjean kind of beats the crap out of him and escapes. We cut to a 19th, a grungy 19th century inn run by a shady couple known only as Monsieur and Madame Thenardier, who have been caring, in quotes. Do you, yes. have you, I've always pronounced it with like, with the H sign, like Thenardier, but I've heard it both. Um, do you, is it, in your opinion, have you only have you heard it Thenardier more? Um, I don't know that it matters, but I think I heard it Thenardier more recently. In okay. that, when I looked cool. up Let's a pronunciation that, of it for this podcast, that's what I came across. It sounds um, better. The, these these two fuck. These are these are like everyone's favorite characters. Yeah, yeah. Master of the House is by far my favorite song in this show. Master of yeah. House, the House is a banger. These two keep showing up like herpes throughout the whole musical and just like <laughs> ruining everything. Yes. I don't think there's a better way to describe them. <laughs> They're very fun, like not bad characters, but villains of the, of the show. Like not villains, but bad characters of the show. They're very fun. So these are the two who have been caring for Cosette but we kind of learn that Co- they've just been treating Cosette like a servant and pocketing all the money Fontaine has been sending them for their daughter, Eponine. Um, Cosette sings Castle on a Cloud. Everyone gets real sad. The Thenardiers sing Master of the House, which slaps. Um, and that kind of reve- sets up and reveals how lying, cheating, manipulative people these two are. Valjean arrives to collect Cosette, the Thenardiers take one last like free ride from this child and get get a large chunk of money out of Valjean for her. And Valjean and Cosette leave Paris and go back to or leave, I'm sorry, leave this small town for Paris so that Valjean can keep eluding the police. Um question for the for the group. Was anyone else's first introduction to Master of the House that episode of Seinfeld? Or is that just me? Am I, is that just a narrow guess? <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't see the episode until after I saw the musical. Got it. I, there, I let have me, not seen that episode of Seinfeld. Allow me to explain. There is a, a first season episode <laughs> of Seinfeld uh, where George or they meet Elaine's dad, who's like this like super macho, um, but also like very hyper educated writer. Uh, he's like a like a like a mystery writer or something. I don't know. Uh, but he's like, like very old type. type. Yeah, he's like a Hemingway like, type. Thank you. Sounds sounds like a Tom Clancy kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got Tom Clancy energy. Um, and and for some reason, like the running joke is George 
just saw Les Mis and he's got Master <laughs> of the House stuck in his head. So the whole episode, the like his whole bit is just he's like Master of the House, no, 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 and he just like keeps singing those first two lines. But that was like my first. So like when I saw that, when I saw when I heard Master of the House for the first time. Like, I was like, oh, my God, that's the reference. <laughs> <laughs> it all anyway. makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure that'll be for somebody out there. Hopefully. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So we take our third, third, our second jump forward, uh, another nine years, mm-hmm. and we are in 1832. We meet uh, two students and revolutionaries, Marius, and I'm going to mess up this pronunciation. On Anjolras? Angela Anjolas? Anjolas. Anjolas. Anjolra. 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 That's way better. Um, yeah. You know what's unfortunate is that because Tom commissioned this, Tom knows French. Yeah. yeah. Tom, and it's Tom probably going to roll like us up. Yeah. Spinning in his chair listening to this. Um, Todd, this is where your name comes from. This is this is what they get for giving us money. And for- yep. <laughs> Um, Mar- Marius is our is our revolutionary hero. He is he is your typical like student activist. Um, but back in the in the eighteen hundreds, so we we also see the Thenardiers have relocated to Paris. Um, they kind of run a street gang now because of course because <laughs> why not? Um, they brought Eponine with them. Eponine is is kind of part of this street gang, but also like wants to be. The, a student revolutionary, but like isn't a student because she's poor um, and has very like obvious goo goo eyes for Marius, who has no idea she is madly in love with him, even though it's very obvious. Um, we meet Gavrash, the street urchin, urchin, who is the eyes and ears of the slum. This all is kind of established in a reprise of the opening song. It's the setting for the rest of our show now. So the Thenardiers scope out their next marks, who turn out to be Valjean and Cosette. As the two work their con on Valjean, Cosette kind of wanders into Marius, and in a very musical fashion, the two immediately fall in love. Typical. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is, this is the most musical relationship ever, because they are just head over heels for each other. It's a romance for plot's sake. Yeah. 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 Um, the Thenardiers are interrupted by Javert, but they... Who is everywhere. He was everywhere. Everyone is everywhere. Everywhere. 19th century France is one city block. Yeah. Yeah, there's 12 people that you see everywhere. Javert, look, look, Javert is an absolute nightmare, but he's a good cop. I'm just gonna say it. No such thing as a good cop. Not morally good. He's a skilled cop. Yeah. He got promoted from prison guard to inspector in a small town to inspector in Paris, which is a pretty good jump. Yeah. Granted, that was over seventeen years, but I mean, con- considering he like not no no spoilers, I guess. Uh, considering he's <laughs> basically leading the like resistance against or not the resistance, but like the defense against the resistance. Like he's yeah. he's been pr- he's had a pretty 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 big career. Well, like like every other forty something year old white dude, he's failed upwards. So <laughs> yeah. So Javert interrupts. Valjean getting ripped off by the Thenardiers, but the Thenardiers recognize Valjean and um, reveal this to Javert. Like, hey, that guy you're after, he's in town. We just tried to rob him. <laughs> Javert makes an oath to God to bring Valjean to justice through the star, the song Stars. And, and then we go back to the Marius plot. 
where he recruits Eponine to find Cosette for him because they had to leave before they could exchange their info. Um, increase in continuing this increasingly sad love triangle. We cut to Anjola <laughs> riling up more <laughs> students um, for the revolution. Marius comes in and gushes about how much he loves Cosette. And the group teases him about it, tells him to focus on the revolution, and they all sing Red and Black. Second favorite song in that show. Yeah, yeah, also another banger. Another banger. Um, the students decide to use the unrest in the city to further their cause, and they march through the streets singing Do You Hear the People Sing. That night, Eponine takes Mar- Marius to Cosette, and Cosette and Marius sing about how much they love each other. Um, and, then, and then when they're done, Eponine sings about how horrible this situation is for her <laughs> about 10 feet away from him, looking in through the garden. <laughs> Which is also a very musical thing to do. Which is also a very musical yeah. thing to do. Um, now, Matt, I don't know if this was your experience growing up in the, with the theater kids, but um, my experience was all the girls wanted to be either Fontaine or Eponine. Those are like... Those were mm-hmm. like the two most in-demand roles because they were they were basically sim- they're very similar in that they only live they only really exist for like their big solo. Um, yes. Yeah, I definitely get that, but I think because I was in high school theater a little bit later than you, I didn't have the mm-hmm. same two roles. Like it was, Fair it was a lot of Mimi from Rent um, when I was in high okay. school. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. That's very similar. Mimi from Rent and Eponine from this one are very similar. Yeah, yeah. everyone wanted to be Eponine. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big song. I, I Dream to Dream is also a big song. Like, those, are, those are like both like huge audition fodder. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Thenardier and, his, and the street gang show up where, at um, Valjean's house where... Cosette and Marius just sang where Eponine just sang. Um, and they plan to do a little B and E and rob Valjean. <laughs> just a little B and E. Just a little B and E. Um, Epony betrays her parents and scre- shouts, um, giving Valjean a, a, a warning that something's up. Valjean thinking that it's Javert who's come to get him packs a go bag and gets ready to leave France forever. He's just like, Nope. If this guy's going to keep hunting me, we're out of here. Cosette, pack, pack a quick bag and we're gone. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Yep. We're, we're out. Uh, this brings us to the night before the 1832 Paris Uprising, which is a real thing that actually happened, with everyone setting up where they're going to be in Act 2 while singing One Day More, closing out Act 1. At the end of Act 1, we've got Valjean and Cosette about to leave the country. Cosette and Marius, sad that they're splitting up after being in love for four hours. The students <laughs> gathering a crowd for the revolution. Uh, Javert is spying on the students, trying to stop the revolution. And the Thenardiers are just waiting in the shadows, ready to profit somehow from all the chaos that is about to occur. Um, that is the end of Act One, and this is where we will take our quick break. Unless you guys have something to say, real quick. I did want to actually. I do want to dive in a little bit, this a little bit, because I mean, this is this is this is probably this is the big moment in Les Mis, right? Like, I don't oh, yeah. think there's anything that's more famous than mm. this song, and then like what what this song does, which yes. is like now it's incredibly it's an incredible cliche, but like 
man, in 1980, back in the 80s, this was such a revolutionary thing. It was like, we're going to basically, you know, bring all, kind of summarize the entire first act together, have all mm-hmm. these characters sing their, their kind of marquee songs. And it all it all comes together in this in this this huge awesome 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 mashup, and and now like fuck like every musical does this like, yeah, pretty much yeah. like it, it's mm-hmm. almost a, it's almost a standard at this point. Yeah, I don't know if Les Mis started the end of first act clip show in musical theater, but it definitely I think like is one of the best examples of end of first act clip show in musical. Theater. Yeah, I'll put on my mus- my music major. Um, gla- I'll push my music major glasses up the bridge of my nose and say it has been a thing in opera forever. Mm, I don't know how point. common it was in like Broadway musicals, but it is not. I mean, Les Mis didn't do it first, but they did it best most recently to like restart the cliche again. Yeah, yeah. Request for future Kyle, uh, if if present Kyle will <laughs> will, <laughs> will indulge me. Um, yes, there is. I know that I've linked it to you all. Um, for for the audience listening, there is a, a particular YouTuber, and I can't remember the name <laughs> right now, but they do Waluigi versions of songs. And Wah, there is Day More. <laughs> yes, we will. Oh, we will uh, link to One Day More. We will yeah, have that. Maybe a future Kyle decides to, to put a little bit in there uh, in our in our intro next or intro and return music. Um, we'll see. I think. Do you, I think with do you, that. We'll take wait. a break because I, oh, <laughs> that's gonna ride us out to the break. Time. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll say it when we get back. Let's all go to an ad break. Let's all go to an ad break. Let's all go to an ad break. I don't really have anything to say here. Now back to the show. One day more. One more day to revolution. We will nip it in One the bud. I'll be ready for the schoolboys. They will wet themselves with blood. More. Watch them run amok. Catch them as they fall. Never know your luck when there's a free for all. Here little deep way. There little touch way. Most of them are goners, so they won't miss much. One day to a new beginning. Raise the flag of freedom. Every man will be a king. All right. We're back. Before can I, can I we, say before what I was going to say now? Too, Todd, say what you were going to say. My question is, here in the Lord's year 2020, do you think that our podcast that talks about nerdy things like video games <laughs> and today is talking about Les Mis, do you think we are the first podcast to actually air the audio for Juan de Moore? What are the odds? (laughs) What are the odds that we are the first podcast to air that from? um, Maybe in this context we are, but I feel like there are enough podcasts that dive through YouTube insanity that may have Mm. may have come across it before we have. The the channel mentioned for those of you listening, I I said that I would give it um, when we came back. Uh, It's Bitfinity. Um, The artist name is Matthew Taranto. So. Yeah, definitely check them out and check out that channel because they do other 
Waluigi, for example, <laughs> Wa Capella colon for the longest in parentheses Waluigi time. Oh um, boy, which is which is also equally because as good, of course. But, no. Have we already asked if WAP is a thing? Like, like <laughs> Megan the Stallion, but Waluigi? I predicted it would have been a thing back yeah, when yeah. WAP was popular. I had predicted it would have been, it would have happened. Um, also, what level of Patreon do we need to activate to do a Waluigi podcast? Not like a flavor text, just a full just podcast. A Waluigi about podcast. Waluigi. <laughs> a Waluigi deep lore podcast. Is, it, is that a podcast? let us know if there's any interest in a waluigi podcast hosted by todd and we'll we'll get back to you all right i'm done with this bit okay so i want to go on a different bit that i i also wanted to bring up before we cut to break but i was overtaken by waluigi um (laughs) as most are in life right yeah as one does i never realized until you kyle wrote the plot synopsis of les mis out for us in shorthand that Les Mis has the most musical ass musical plot that has ever been musicaled. Like it is such <laughs> a A to B to C formulaic check the boxes musical where like you have protagonist, you have antagonist for that protagonist, you have mildly related love triangle and you have interwoven comedic relief. And that's that's the whole show. And I never put it together because Les Mis hides it so well that it is just I mean, it's like. It's baby's first musical as far as plot depth goes. I mean, and part of like part of it is that there was so much in the novel that like even when you cut out enough to make a just a musical, you still have a very well written story. So like there is no fluff. There is not a wasted line, character, song, anything in this musical. It all drives to serve the final point i said in the break there were moments i i left out a plot point for in this in the sake of like moving this along a little quicker and had to go back and add it back because it ties to like an important plot point later that doesn't make sense since i left it out earlier like it all is there there's not a wasted line it's superbly written musical yeah going back to like what we said over the break andrew made the joke but i'm going to steal it from him because i remembered it that he said uh les mis is the ocarina of time of musicals like it didn't create the formula it just did it the best yep yep you're right everyone listening to our podcast is nodding (laughs) yeah yes i'm i'm sure someone's really mad at that like there is someone out there who is really angry about the things that i just said and they can fight me behind the swing set. Yep. <laughs> Are we ready for Act 2, guys? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So, Act 2. We open on the students building a barricade in the middle of the street. To the song, Build the Barricade, Javert, undercover, offers to go undercover for the students. Um, basically, um, he, the students believe him to be on their side. He says, hey, I'll go spy on the army for you and let you know what they're doing and come back. So now he's got a convenient way in and out of camp. He's like he's like fucking Hans Gruber uh, in the the third act of Die Hard when he's like trying to pretend to be pretend to not have an accent. And uh, and it's like accents on accents on accents. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Marius sends Eponine 
to give a love letter to Cosette, um, but she ends up leaving it with Jean Valjean. And Eponine wanders the streets of Paris singing about how sad her life is in the song On My Own. Musical-ass musical. That's pretty much Eponine's three-line. It's just yeah. sadly wandering yeah. around. Eponine only exists to not be loved by Marius. Um, this is uh, this song is like this is like the defying gravity of layman. Yes. Like this is this is one of the big ones. Yes. Yeah. So the French army marches on the barricade, and Javert returns and tells the students that they're safe. A lie. Gavroche comes in and recognizes Javert for the cop that he is, and the students tie him up to execute later. Eponine comes back to this active war zone and gets shot, but not before she sings about how happy she is to die in Marius's arms in the song A Little Fall of Rain. And Eponine's very sad plotline is done, and she dies. And this continues to be a musical-ass <laughs> musical. Yes. Um, the revolutionaries all use Eponine's death as kind of their rallying point. They are dug in now. They are not giving up because Eponine died. Valjean sneaks into the barricade, because of course he does, after reading Marius's letter, um, hoping to get him out of there alive so that he and Cosette can, can live together happily ever after, because Jean Valjean is father of the year. Uh, Valjean wins the revolutionaries over by scaring off an army sniper because uh, he's also a big old badass. Um, <laughs> Jean Valjean proceeds to do nothing wrong for the remainder of the musical. <laughs> <laughs> he convinces the students that he should be the one to execute Javert um, because reasons. And they they agree because he just saved them from this sniper. So he they goes saw him throw a log again. Yeah. So he goes back alone and, you know, decides Javert doesn't deserve to die like this and sets him free. Javert leaves, um, but not before swearing that he will bring bring in Valjean, make sure he goes to to jail. And Valjean is way cooler about it than he needs to be and basically says, like, yeah, man, you do you. I'll be waiting for you when you come back. Yeah. Uh, things settle down for the night, and the students all think about what they're fighting for. Uh, Marius sings about Cosette, and Valjean sings about Marius um, in the songs Drink to Me and Bring, the, Bring Him Home. Ver Marius sings about Cosette not three hours after another <laughs> woman has died in his arms singing yeah. about how happy she is to have that opportunity because she loves him. And that yeah. is cold and incredible. So cold. Like, like a he's, little fall. He's not the brightest bulb in the box. A little fall of rain is about how Eponine is so happy. She's dying in his arms because that's the best she could hope for at this point. Cause she knows he's in love with someone else. And then he sings about, doesn't sing about Eponine. Not four hours later. Yes. Yeah. A bummer, a huge bummer. Rigor Mortis has not even set in, and he has moved the fuck on. Um, dawn comes. Uh, the situation looks hopeless for the students. They were hoping the people of Paris would rally behind them and help drive the army back. They did not. Gavroche gets shot trying to um, get ammo off of dead bodies, basically, and um, gives the students one last, like, thing they are not gonna give up for is like all right eponine died gavroche died we are we are doing this live or die the army gives one last warning for the students to disband 
before firing on the barricade. Everyone dies except Valjean and Marius. Like, everyone is, all the students are dead. Marius gets, like, catches a few bullets and is, is pretty gravely injured. Uh, so Valjean carries Marius through the sewers to save him. He carries him until he passes out of exhaustion, and the Thenardiers show up again. They steal a ring off of Marius's finger, Valjean wakes up and scares them off, and then continues to drag Marius the rest of the way through the sewers, all the way to the exit, to be met by Javert, waiting for him like an anime villain. <laughs> that's so true he, uh, yeah like he, he actually valjean it's 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 hard to see in the you can't tell in the original recording but valjean leaps out of the sewer and does a three-point landing uh right by the sewer grate in front of javert like i was i was reading the synopsis and like i knew it in the back of my head but i saw it is like and when when valjean exits the the sewers um javert is waiting for him is like wow that is some anime video game bullshit and but it's exactly what happens valjean begs javert to take marius to the hospital um and javert very reluctantly agrees and it's only because valjean plays the like hey i could have killed you earlier and didn't you owe me one um and javert agrees takes marius to the hospital and then sings about how conflicted he is, because the cop in him needs to bring Valjean into custody for breaking his p- parole, but the human in him knows that Valjean being free has done more good than Javert has by putting people in prison. He's very conflicted, he sings about it, and he does the 19th century, century equivalent of um, a does-not-compute-self-destruct and throws himself off a bridge to his death. I am going to come out and say right now that this is my least favorite part of the show. Uh, And it's not because Mm -hmm. Javert jumps off a bridge. It's because the way that Javert's suicide, the song ends with him, like holding the note as he falls off. (laughs) And never once have I seen that executed. Well, like it's always bad. It always sounds bad. It always looks bad. I really hate it. I think it's supposed to be pretty jarring though. Like, I think that's the point. I remember I, I remember really th- this was this particular scene was why I hated Russell. I did not enjoy Russell Crowe's at interpretation of the of the role. Yeah. Um, I, I remember I don't remember specifics. It's been eight years, but I remember it being very weird and, and very different from the older ones. Um, the, yeah. the Liam Neeson one, because the, the Liam Neeson one, if I recall, we'll talk about it in a bit. That didn't have any music. It was just the story. It was just and, the, and I remember that being like a lot book, yeah. more like palpable basically yeah yeah because the stage show there's like a a hold note on i think there's i it's i have nothing to go on or there's nothing to go on or something like that i don't remember the exact lyric and um yeah javert just holds the note for on and leaps off the bridge and screams about it and every time it just like yeah okay it it, maybe it's supposed to be jarring and i'll definitely give you that i just i don't like it i get it yeah 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 I sang that song in church once. It was weird. <laughs> that yeah, that's weird. weird. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, the takeaway I got from this this most recent read through, watch through of it was um, Javert realizes that he can't like he can't be a cop and a good person and kills himself and um, hmm. twenty twenty and nothing else to say about that. So we go back to we go back to Marius. He recovers. Um, He's wondering how he was the only one who survived this 
brutal massacre um, and sings about all his friends dying for nothing in empty chairs at empty tables. Another banger. A sad Another banger. banger. A, a sad banger. banger. Um, Valjean tells Marius that basically everything about his past, he's an ex-con, he needs to run away, that Cosette will never have a happy life while Valjean's in the picture, basically, because of his past. And he wishes, he tells Marius to take care of Cosette, wishes them the best, leaves his fortune to them, and leaves. Marius and Cosette get married. The Thenardiers crash the wedding and try to blackmail Marius and Cosette, alleging that they know they have evidence that Valjean is a murderer and ditched and was like ditching bodies in the sewer from when they found him in the sewer carrying Marius to freedom. Um, they tell Marius they have proof of this and give him the ring they stole off his finger, not knowing it's him. Um, basically like, look, we took this finger off a dead body he left there. Look, look. And, and he's like, hey, this is my ring. The worst criminals. <laughs> the, the worst criminals. Marius sorts through their lie um, and kind of realizes that Valjean is the reason he survived when all of his friends died. And leaves to bring Valjean back out of his self-imposed exile. Not before punching Thenardier in the face. Um, the Wikipedia made it, let, like, took an aside. It's like, some productions have Marius punch Thenardier in the face right here. So <laughs> I'm choosing to in my retelling as well. Marius and Cosette arrive at a convent where Valjean ended up um, and find him on his deathbed. He's dying of a broken heart or nothing left to live for or whatever other musical explanation you want. He's, he's dying of whatever Bilbo Baggins died from, which is old man, end of the story disease. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The plot armor's gone, so you die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Valjean sees a vision of Fantine who tells him he's super going to heaven. Valjean tells Cosette everything about his past, her mom what she did for him, what he did for her, and all that, and then dies. Um, he is ushered into heaven by Eponine and Fantine, who sing the, th the, the musical's thesis, at least, to him, which is, to love another person is to see the face of God. Um, he is met by all the revolutionaries who died, and they all sing uh, one day more, one more time, um, representing, in heaven, everyone is free. The musical ends, curtain closes, everyone applauds, and we have Les Mis. Question. Is it safe to say then, Kyle, that the musical is trying to say that the France was 18th century or 19th century France was saved through the power of friendship? No, I think, stop it. I, no. I think <laughs> you can draw that conclusion based on what we have mm -hmm. talked about here today. Yes, I think you're right. If that didn't absolutely shit on all the hard work of the people of France, <laughs> then, I would, then I would entertain this joke a little bit longer. Oh, Todd is a um, bad joke. So, uh, not this is this is just a thing since I only know this story through the movie. I completely forgot that. Um, Thenardier's, uh, uh, the, the dude was, uh, Sacha Baron Sasha, Cohen. Sacha Baron Cohen. We'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. We'll yeah. get to that. We're going to talk about the movies next. Um, what do you guys, what, what do we think as we wrap up the musical? Any lingering thoughts there? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, just to reiterate that, like, this is the fucking most generic musical-ass musical there is, and to say that about Les Mis feels like a cardinal sin. Like, to to call <laughs> Les Mis generic feels so dirty coming out of my musical theater nerd mouth, but, like... It, yeah. At the end of the it's, day... I mean, it's old. It's the Seinfeld effect, is yeah. how... It's yep. where every show that's come after Seinfeld did it better or differently so now when you watch seinfeld you see all the tropes they copied and are like eh, yeah i, I see, see the, it coming like i mean again to, to to bring back the ocarina of time comparisons like you're not just gonna go play ocarina of time you know like you, there are better <laughs> zelda games but just to say that but there's a there's a reason why ocarina of time is is constantly on the best of all timeless because it you 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 can you can not you can see it for what it is, but also re- recognize its importance in the in the industry. You know, you can recognize Les Mis' importance and and still see it for all of the cliches that are now cliches, right? Yeah. That that is because at the time they, they many of those cliches were not. You know, that was that was very yeah. revolutionary. It's just that so much stuff has has taken inspiration, direct inspiration from it. It's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to not see those those cracks now. Yeah, I will also argue that. Unlike Seinfeld and Ocarina of Time, Les Mis has aged significantly better, seeing as how it is still, still relevant, still, you know, useful today, 40 years after its, 30 years after its musical release, 150 years after the book came out. Like, these, it's, it's generic because these themes don't go away ever either. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I mean, I guess it's to call it a generic musical is probably really incorrect because at the end of the day, it's just kind of a generic story plot. And that's not to say it's bad, but like that story plot of hero, villain, kind of related love triangle, comic relief is a story plot that you can find all the way back through history in every medium. Yeah, I mean, the, the argument, the, the thing is, when you boil every story down to its core elements, it sounds boring, because stories follow a three-act structure, they generally have, like, the hero's journey stuff as part of it, like, it's all in here, it's all, it's all formulaic, it's what you do with the formula that makes a thing good or bad, and this uses, makes the formula really, really, really good, so, yeah, um, it's a really good musical, it yeah. being generic generic quote-unquote doesn't take away from that for sure and yeah i'll double down one more time before i like listen back to this and hate myself for the things that i've said that like i think les mis is a really good use of the formula like i said I've lo- i love this show i've seen it three or four times um and i think that like you said i mean that's what makes a good story is how well you use the formula but Again, I didn't even notice that it was generic until I looked at this broken down plot synopsis, which is to say that nothing about that show feels generic, feels scripted like it doesn't feel that way. And I think that's a huge testament to the quality of the story and the musical and the the movie asterisk asterisk Russell Crowe's part. You know, (laughs) what do you got, Todd? Anything? No, I I'm I'm good. All right. I. I'm good. I don't I again like since I have not I've never I did not even know there was a book 
prior to this, which probably, <laughs> again, I am an uneducated toddler. Um, an uncultured toddler, I think is what I said. Um, toddler. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know nice. there was a book. I just knew there was a musical. So um, I'm still trying to imagine this as like an actual play without the musical numbers, because for me, the musical numbers are kind of what the whole thing revolves around. Um, no, there's like a story I, under there, Todd. Well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I got that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, this is all still very, very new to me as a new way to consume it that isn't just with Hugh Jackman front and center. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, all right. So, as we have alluded to, um, this musical especially has been, but also the book, the whole story, has been adapted numerous times um, since 1862 and 1980, respectively. Um, there have been a number of just like concert versions of this concert that that came out and like broad Broadway releases versus West End. Um, my favorite factoid is from when they did the I think it's 25th anniversary. Some someone decided it would be a good idea to have Joe Jonas be one of the parts. Was that did they do that Oof. on TV? Was that yeah. like yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that happening and it was a choice that someone made. It, it sure <laughs> was a choice. Hmm. I remember from the time I think Taylor Swift was also supposed to do it and didn't. That was also a choice. Um, yeah, it had like a really big lineup. That at least that's what it was supposed to have. Yeah. Um, Joe Jonas is the only one, only name recognizable outside of musical theater circles in that. But it was it was something to be sure. Um, there was a 1998 movie. Um, that was not a musical. It was just an adaptation of the book um, starring... That's the Liam Neeson one, right? Liam Neeson, thank you. Starring Liam Neeson and someone else was in that. Uh, I've seen that one. It's really good. Yeah, it's, I've, heard it, I've heard that. I've heard it's actually very good. I watched it by mistake. Um, <laughs> so I, I, will, I will remind you about you know, when, when, we were, when we learned about doing the musical in high school. Um, I went to the Blockbuster video to rent a version <laughs> of it, thinking it was the the miniseries one, which is based, I believe, based on the musical. And I got that one instead and was like, where's all the singing? Uh, but it's, <laughs> but it's, regardless, it's, it's very good. Uh, if you get a Jeffrey chance. Rush we, is, Jeffrey Rush is Javert. Yep. Um, Uma uh, Thurman is Fontaine. Jeffrey Rush, mm. who you remember as the pirate captain in the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. As Barbosa oh, yeah. in the Pirates Barbosa. series. Yeah, he's, he's excellent. Uh, Toby Jones, who goes on years later to become Arnim Zola in the MCU, <laughs> has a yeah. big part in the 1998 movie as well. I think he's credited as like a doorman or something like that. Oh, oh, yep. There he is. He's yeah. really well, good at being the token creepy character. Yeah. And that's when you when you start casting British actors. um, they have even fewer degrees of separation than Kevin Bacon. Um, yeah, they're all there's only like 20 of them and they're all in everything. They're all in they're all in the Harry Potter series as well. Right. So there's the 1998 one, which is very good. Uh, there is the is it 2014 musical. When did the 2012 musical? was the, the 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 big one, the big <laughs> dog one. Russell Crowe in this 2012 2012 yeah. movie musical um, starring. Hugh Jackman as Javert, Anne Hathaway as Fontaine, Russell Crowe as um, 
Oh, no, Russell Crowe is Javert. Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. is Jean Valjean. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne is Marius. Um, Amanda Seyfried is Cosette. Sasha Baron Cohen and... Um, Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham yep. Carter are the, the Thenardiers. Bringing um, that same uh, Sweeney Todd energy. Bringing, yep. a lot of, bringing a lot of Sweeney Todd energy. Um, this movie was very divisive as you can tell from earlier conversations (laughs) in the podcast it was very critically acclaimed with anne hathaway winning an oscar for her portrayal as fontaine um i believe they won some other oscars as well but i'm having trouble talking and scrolling through wikipedia at the same time that scene while you're doing that kyle i'll I'll just quickly gush about that scene i think that that probably that's definitely the high point is in hathaway's i dreamed a dream um, not just for her performance, but for the cinematography. Yes. Um, Cause I think the yeah. thing that was going around even before the movie came out was like, they it was all the hype was, you know, they did that whole thing in one shot and it's hard to describe it. Mm. I, I, I do still believe that that is probably the, the crowning achievement of that movie was that scene. And that's part of the controversy. And mm-hmm. the reason it's divisive is um, normally when they shoot, when they do movie musicals, they record the whole cast singing the songs first, and then they act out the scenes lip syncing later. In this case, the director, um, Tom Hooper, very much wanted to a more authentic performance from his actors, and they, rec- they sang all the songs live on set. I think the Anne Hathaway performance is kind of the proof of concept that got him the yeah. rest of the movie made, I would imagine. It's very well done. And I know there are still people that disagree with me on that performance, but it's it's our show. You can shove it. Um, <laughs> for what it was, that was a very good scene. There are other moments similar to that that work. I think most of um, Hugh Jackman's stuff is pretty good, even though um, the part is way too high for him. Yeah. But you're right. The cinematography is very great. The other thing I hear a lot in musical theater and singing circles is they got Hugh Jackman like movie dehydrated so that he was all like ripped and veiny and like gone (laughs) and then had him sing like all his big songs which is super horrible for your voice and just terrible and and your health and everything but like it looked good (laughs) well and russell russell crowe isn't a great singer and russell crowe is not a great singer not a great singer yeah he's he was he if it would have been he was perfect for the Jeffrey Rush interpretation of that role, yeah. uh, if you will, because yes. he was he's a perfect cast, but but just not. And, and for the same reasons why the Anne Hathaway scene is so good, the Russell Crowe stuff is not so good because it's very like and and all the stories that came out around the time were like were how Hugh Jackman has this nice like whatever the Australian equivalent of Broadway training is. And Hugh Jackman is like, he's very, he, he did Australian theater and London theater first and has this background. And Russell Crowe is in a rock band. And that was kind of like, he can sing too. And I don't want to like dump on Russell Crowe because I think he's a good actor, but man, it was not, I don't think it was a good, a good decision. It was rough. It was tough. Um, but there's a lot. I mean, I, I think the pros outweigh the cons. We mentioned Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter. 
just chef's kiss, like perfect, oh, mm-hmm. perfect yeah. cast. True scenery the whole time they come in. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. That is, th- those two are my high point of the movie. Um, mm. And like, I, I love Hugh Jackman a lot. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, and I agree that the Anne Hathaway, I dreamed a dream is very, very good. But I think that Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter are, my high point of that movie, and I would say the same things about the cinematography for Master of the House, which was just like yeah. buck wild madness and very good. Yeah, I know like Hugh Jackman's performance was middling, depending on who you ask, because the part's too high for him, but he's not a bad performer. Um Amanda Seyfried and any Redmayne can sing. They were all they were all right. I don't ever want to see Amanda Seyfried in anything ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this movie came wow. out eight years ago and i still feel that way every time i see her in a movie wow. which is not uh, Dang. i don't think she's a good actress <laughs> <laughs> sorry this is an amanda Seyfried dunk fest now like get out of here i don't think she's bad i think she just she is really good at being a boring character and okay. i think mm-hmm. i think Cosette is a really boring role i think i also think valjean like this is kind of odd take i guess but valjean i think is kind of a boring role too i, I think it's i think it's really hard to make those roles stand out and and Amanda Seyfried is very good at being vanilla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. What else is cool is nice about the movie. Oh, the, the guy who, um, I don't know if he he originally played Valjean on Broadway, made the role popular is, is in every like reunion concert ever. He is in the movie. Yeah. He is in the movie as the Bishop. So he gets one last little like recognition to, um, I'm and a big old sucker for that. I love it when oh, they do yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Colm Wilkinson was so iconic as that role. And in, and if you've ever heard the original, like I said, I, I, I just played this on loop forever. It, it's one of those, it's one of those recordings where just like that becomes the role and you just yes. like, it's impossible to separate anyone, separate him from it. The role, the role isn't now complete with all his like, vocalisms and mannerisms yeah just as much as the written music on the page like he he very much is the role yeah yeah and if you want to see that work in the opposite direction it was really hard to not watch wolverine be jean valjean like to try and separate (laughs) hugh jackman from wolverine in 2012 was really difficult um i'm actually i'm on the wikipedia for the the original cast recording and i see here uh uh, Gaetano Matarazzo, Matarazzo, who you may remember from the kid with the curly hair and Stranger, Stranger Things, Things, yeah, was apparently yeah. the the most recent uh, revival or version of Gavroche, if Gavroche, excuse oh, me, in the okay. 20, 2014 revival. So there you go, he was Gavroche. Huh. Wild, nice. um, yeah. fun Gavr- Gavr- Gavroche, 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 Gavroche. Thanks. Um, I ordered Gavroche from the Mediterranean restaurant that I ate at last week. Um, there it is. I <laughs> think that I was going <laughs> to never mind. You know, I think my bit's stupid. I think that it was probably like 2015 that I learned that Gavroche was not sad child on playbill. Um, and that sad yes. child on playbill was Eponine. Cosette was Cosette. Mm. I say cleanly so that I can cut that in later and not sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
My joke was going to be that Gavroche was my uh, the sofa that Shannon and I bought at IKEA. Matt, Matt made, that, made joke. that joke. I already made the top joke. of the no, show. No, but did what, did you say? Oh yeah, you did say IKEA. Almost Damn to it. almost <laughs> to a point. Damn it. <laughs> I think he called it a table instead of a couch, but yeah. Sorry I just it. said what I bought at Ikea. And Matt isn't going to cut that out of the podcast, so Todd does look uh, like an idiot. <laughs> I have nothing to say. I have no 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 need to deeper dig my hole. Um, and that's all I got. That is Les Mis, the movie and 19th century literary classic. Um, Here's a quick question, and I don't know if it's necessarily for you, Kyle, but maybe just whoever is there a place to be able to find any of these filmed iterations online that like do we know that is that a thing i've not done the same google search that we all could do um Um, so so there's nine nine hundred variations of the album of the cast recordings on spotify google play um amazon music whatever i want to if i want to see liam neeson Liam? Is there a way that I can do that? Netflix. Um, let me look. It's on. It's on Netflix. I checked. While nice. We were okay. Awesome. I was gonna say. I know the new one is on Netflix. The 2012 one is on Netflix. But that's good. I'll watch. I'll probably watch the the Liam Neeson one then too. Um, because Liam Neeson I kicks dig ass. Yeah. I. It's been a long time, but I. I do remember very much liking that version. I don't think that that one is anywhere but i don't that one i didn't look at wait oh you don't think that one is there the wait you were saying are we are we talking about liam neeson or are we talking about russell crowe okay the russell (laughs) crowe wow what a thesis for our podcast (laughs) the russell crowe 2012 um les miserables which I will draw all the hate for calling it the Russell Crowe Les Miserables. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. Is, is oh, available man. on Netflix. Yes. If you want to watch oh, the Liam Neeson excellent. one, you have to rent it from Amazon Prime, YouTube, iTunes, um, one of those for two ninety nine. Or if you have Pluto TV, apparently it is free on Pluto TV, which I don't know what it is and I don't care <laughs> I don't to know what it sense. is. That is the only way you can watch the Liam Neeson 1998 Les Miserables. Do you guys remember that that <laughs> Robo Jean is a thing? <laughs> and you can find what's the name of the game that Robo Jean is from, Matt? Uh, uh, Arm Joe. You can you can buy Arm Joe on Steam and fight Robo Jean and yeah. and the concept of justice. I don't think you even judgment. need to use Steam. I think you can just download it from Abandonware. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah, you'll you'll basically get most of the story anyway, just from playing through the story, the campaign of Arm Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so that is gonna do it for this flavor text. Uh, thank you all for listening in to debate this. Follow along the argument on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Debate This Cast. If you want to commission your own flavor text, uh, please go do so at Patreon.com/DebateThisCast. Until next time, I am Kyle Harper. I'm Todd, one day more, but in a robotic RoboJean voice, Thomas. Uh, I'm Matt Gavroche, got drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets this weekend. Cole. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Andrew, Master Sword of the House, Henderson. Yeah. (laughs)
We're saying thank you for debating with us, and if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the barricades, nerds. That was good. Yeah, good choice. I like that. Good. Yeah. Good stuff. One more day. One more day.